Hi, and welcome to our inaugural podcast. I'm Matthew Richter, president of the Tiagi Group, and I'm joined by my friend, my colleague, my guru, Will. And Will, I'm going to stop for a second before I share your last name. I know 72 different ways that people pronounce your last name. So I thought before I butcher it, you should share it with everyone. Yeah. Okay. So if you're such a great friend, how come you can't pronounce my name? <laughs> well, we just met yesterday. Come well, on. I, yeah, we, we, we're fast friends. Uh, That's true. So different parts of my family pronounce it differently. I'm going to go with Tallheimer. Ah, good. I was close. And I was very close. You know, I'm going to help people with this. Just pretend that I'm tall. And I'm in Massachusetts, so I'm high and myrrh. Tall, high, myrrh. Yeah. All right. I can do that. We have decided that this podcast is going to be uh, a, a general discussion about different topics within learning, that we would try and engage all of our multitudes of listeners through different types of activities. Uh, so that we could we could walk the talk of being not just engaging but interactive, and that it wouldn't just be you, Will, and me. That we would also have uh, a circulating uh, group of of uh, co uh, co podcasters, uh, as you will. So, for example, uh, my partner in in crime and my mentor Tiagi is going to. Uh, be one of our rotating panelists. And uh, I think we also have our friends Guy Wallace and Clark Quinn who may join us over time. And, and there's some others that you we are. Let's about. just cut to the chase. We are going to bring in the best, smartest, best looking people in the learning field. And you already have those two right now. Well, we're the top of top of the pyramid, but we're going to bring in you have two people with faces for radio. <laughs> I know that's that's an old cliche. I know I shouldn't I shouldn't have even gone there. So, in fact, today our second segment, uh, you you had a wonderful interview with our friend Connie Malamud. I did, and uh, really looking forward to sharing that with people. Uh, and before we get into that, we're going to, Will and I thought we'd actually engage all of you in talking about what this podcast will look like over time. You know, what, what you're interested in, what we hope you're interested in, what we're interested in. Give you a little background on who we are if you don't know us. And, and then after Connie's interview with Will, we'll jump into our third, uh, third segment and talk about uh, uh, an experience I had yesterday. Uh, and uh, I'll share a little of my rant with, with Will and get his insights on how to handle a situation like this. And then lastly, uh, Tiagi is going to join us for a quick uh, essay of an oral essay uh, that he has on magic and evidence-based learning. And then we'll wrap wow. up the cast for the day. So, wow. Sound good? It sounds good, but I, I don't think you're being quite open with people. No, I do lie. Well, we basically, Matt and I are going to be building this podcast jet plane as we fly it. 
And so right. we don't really know what the hell we're doing. Now, Matt has some background and experience in podcasting. Uh, he'll probably tell you about those. But basically, we're sort of rookies at this, certainly working together. And so we don't really know what the heck we're doing. Certainly, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So we're going we're gonna, to, today, we're going to talk through how to put this together, what we want, We've decided not to talk too much about this beforehand. We're going to let you hear our deliberations and we're going to ask you to participate, to give us some guidance, to tell us what you want to get out of this. So we've created a website and we will post that website in the, the notes for the cast. So you'll, you'll know exactly where you can go and, and, on that website will be a place for you to share your thoughts and comments and so forth. And we ask that you do. We also will ask that you go onto iTunes or any of the other platforms you're using to listen to a podcast and hit like and get all your friends to hit like because that helps get us out there into the, to the ether uh, and get us more exposed to potential listeners. So, why don't we uh, dive in without further ado and talk about what our, our goals are for the show and, and, and uh, hopefully you'll, you'll contribute through the comments. So, Will, what do you want to get out of this? What do you want to do? Basically, I'd like to get rich <laughs> and famous and, uh, you know, be able to retire early. So we do take donations. We're going to take yeah, big yeah. donations. Yeah. Feel big. free to write a check to the Madden Will for millions and millions of dollars or euros. Well, so, uh, no. Look, Matt, I don't know if you've known Matt. You've got to follow him on LinkedIn because he's always posting really pithy questions for uh, the field. And uh, I've spent a lot of my career doing research on learning and uh, on learning evaluation. Uh, there's some important ideas in the field. There's also a lot of crap in the field as well. You know, if you follow my work that I'm uh, just get disgusted with the myths and misconceptions that are out there. And, you know, in some sense, Matt, what I hope we can do is to enlighten as we entertain, uh, encourage people to use best practices, encourage inquiry and curiosity, uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, and I, I would like us to have some arguments and debates and, and no. not just among us, certainly among us. But, but we always agree. Also, I'd love for us to, to get everyone in the community talking. And um, one of the biggest misnomers in, in academia is that we all have to agree with each other. Having an evidence-based approach doesn't necessarily mean that the research lends itself to the same conclusions or lends itself to the same interpretations. And so what Will and I are gonna strongly advocate for evidence-based learning and to be able to read and interpret research more effectively we're also going to advocate for having well-educated debate and dialogue and, and to see how we can learn from each other. You know, 
one of the things that I've learned in doing the research and looking at the scientific journals and trying to read not one article, but 20 or whatever it takes to really wrap my head around a particular area is that there's a lot of variability out there. There's great research, uh, there's conclusive research, and there's research that's less conclusive. There's bad research. There's research that is relevant in some contexts and not others. Uh, and research isn't the only place where we can get wisdom from. There's wisdom in practice. There's wisdom in experience. Uh, there's foibles there as well. So I, I hope to bring this all together with you, Matt, and our guests and our listeners. And, well, and I, th I think this is such a key point that research does not uh, act alone. Research informs practice and practice has to inform back to the research. And, and we, uh, I think mistakenly as a field, think one is one and the other is the other and that there's a separation between research and practice or, uh, and I think this is a huge error. I agree. I think actually, uh, if I'm a practitioner, if I'm an e-learning designer, developer, or a classroom instructional designer or trainer, uh, if I take a more experimental approach, pilot testing, rapid prototyping, trying things out, uh, I know your partner Tiagi is a big advocate of, of rapid prototyping things. If, if we as practitioners do that more, we're going to learn more ourselves. It doesn't have to be scientific research. It can be practical practitioner-based research as well. Exactly. And, uh, and we can design our practices to yield better outcomes and better data that we can then learn from. Well, you know the other thing I'd like to do? Hmm. I know that you and I are about to have a conversation about what we want to include and not include in this podcast. Well, one of the things I'd like to do, perhaps, if you agree, maybe even if you don't agree, is to challenge researchers to do some research that's more practice-oriented and less theoretical-oriented. And, and to build on that, I think we want to have research that isn't just practice-oriented, but we want to have uh, research that can be translated into language that people can understand. So a lot of times I hear feedback from practitioners that, that the papers and the way the research is structured is incomprehensible unless you've spent 12 years in school. And, and it's not that hard to take the research and then ha add a, an abstract that is written in lay terms. There are things we can do uh, uh, in academia to make things more accessible. Cool. Can I give you a, a sneak preview of something yeah. I'm working on? Yeah. So I've been working on this review of the uh, training transfer research or learning transfer research for the last couple of years. And I haven't had a lot of time to work on it, but I'm almost done. And in this thing, I, the final section is, Hey, researchers, why haven't you done better research in this area? It's crap. You've got to make it better. So 
Hopefully we can talk about that later. Absolutely. Not to mention, I think we should do an entire episode alone just on learning transfer. So I'd like to debate some of these things, you know, what we're going to have in this, right? Yeah. So, you know, and I asked some of these questions to Connie Malamed, and she's going to tell us about that in a bit. But I'd like to, you know, you and I need to decide some of these things. That's right. Um, that's we've right. already agreed that we may not always tell the truth. Okay, that's one thing. Well, at least the, that can be one of our topics, right? Yeah. Right. Um, what about, you know, you and I, uh, we both like to quash myths, learning myths mm -hmm. in the field. So I'm, I'm assuming we're going to do that. Well, what about politics? Oh, totally, politics? totally. Yeah, because I think politics is one of a great, Politics, first of all, is a great way for us to explore topics like leadership. It's a great platform for us to look at things historically and, and see where we can learn uh, from the past. Politics is a, an, a way for us to look at logic and, and uh, illusions uh, uh, and logical fallacies, right? I mean, politics is not often truly equal, right? Sometimes I, I, there's a side that's wrong, and it's a great illustration of those. Uh, I, I, I did. This is not, it's sort of politics, but I did ask a question on LinkedIn yesterday. I said, okay, yeah. Robert Mueller has this report, 448 oh, pages. I missed that. If he was a learning architect, yeah. how should he best uh, convey the ideas in this report and we've gotten some really interesting answers on that oh, i gotta find it i gotta yeah. find that one and comment you know, maybe we can talk about that on next next week's episode oh i'd love that to be a topic i would love yeah. that to be a topic yeah you said argumentation i think we can even have some fake arguments like taking right. sides we disagree with that's right i think it's one of the best ways to learn is to to force uh force yourself to take the opposing argument. Yeah. Right. Well, it's a great way to learn. I, I think we should, we should have people call in. Yeah. Can, yeah. We answer questions, you know, do all the things that that's right. Know, good talk radio has, right? Absolutely. And right now we definitely have three listeners. We so do. yeah, my wife, my mother and your mother. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, and I'm going to have to listen to see what you, how you edit it too. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. You'll, well, you'll. What about like, um, you know, doing some investigative journalism? You know, there's probably, <clears throat> probably, so, sorry, co some corruption in the field. Yeah. You might be able to root that out. Well, I think, I think uh, you, you had once called that vendor vomit. Uh -huh. uh, where we secretly can go around to trade shows and and check out what vendors are spewing. Ooh, and, that'd be good. You know, so the, along the lines of doing some investigative journalism. Uh, I would love for us to spend some time talking about how uh, we read research. And I know that could sound in of itself boring, but I think it's really helpful to to share with people who are not used to reading research tips and techniques for looking at it. Uh, it's not rocket science unless it's a piece about rocket science. What about, what about like, uh, can we have like some games and, and prizes and, and uh, that kind sure. of thing? Sure. One of uh, the Tiagi group's favorite prizes to hand out is a BMW. 
we, <laughs> we hand out BMWs all the time. So do you know what a BMW is? Um, a BMW. Blank material for writing. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, I don't know. So, I could get, yeah. Uh, I would love for us to spend some time debunking certain misconceptions and myths. Um, you know, we get, uh, I don't know about you, but we see things all the time around personality and disposition. I know you and our friend Guy Wallace are constantly going after learning styles. Um, one of my favorite recent articles was uh, one you wrote about uh, the issues around neuroscience. Uh, and I love that article. I've been handing that around all over the place. Um, and it wasn't like your, your attack on neuroscience wasn't an attack on neuroscience. It was about the misconceptions people are walking away with and then applying inappropriately. And so I, I think there's a lot of meat there for us uh, to dive into. Um, so I think you also had a topic that we, uh, around asking uh, a mother or a grandmother. Well, and, yeah, I just remember, uh, David Letterman used to invite his mom on the show. Yeah. And you know, uh, you and I are as comically gifted as Letterman. I'm sure we can invite our moms on and why don't we just ask Dave? Oh yeah. He's, he's not busy, right? No, no. He's only doing like one or two interviews a year now. So well, I'm sure that's he's great. plenty of time. And we could trade off with him just to make it fair. We can yeah. be on his podcast and he can be on ours. And you know, one of the things that's really irritating me a lot lately is ASTD, which I know is now called ATD. Um, ASTD has been having uh, uh, keynotes now that have absolutely nothing to do with learning and development. Uh, oh yeah. That's one of my pet peeves. Why are they inviting people that have absolutely nothing to do with this? Well, you know, there are, there is corruption in the field. I've, I've seen, so there's this one trade organization that uh, puts out these top 20 lists, right? And it's very clear that if you pay money as one of their advertisers, yes. you become one of the top 20. Yeah. It's this, like, is, this is gross. Um, conflict. Know, oh, it's terrible. Ah, um, yes. I, yeah. Yes. Yes, pay us $4,000, we'll give you a Lifetime Achievement Award. Ah, yeah. Well, and we should definitely have a LinkedIn conversation. And we should probably, I would love to do a segment on how we go about getting work. Not just us, but, you know, as consultants, you know, how, how do we in this day and age go out and find work? Because it, it's different. The world has changed from the time you and I started. All right. I think we have just shared a whole bunch of ideas, but we'd love to hear what your ideas are. So yeah, please. put them in the comments, share with us, send us a note, send us an email. Um, we're going to post this all over LinkedIn and, and all sorts of things. And uh, so let us know your thoughts, share. So, all right, we're going to move on to our second segment, but before we do, I want you guys to know Matt is like really rigid. He wants to have segments and like, <laughs> I, I'm like, come on, Matt, let's just, let's just wing it, man. Let's just go with the flow. We can have seven segments one week, 24 uh, the next. I, I'm going to tell you why I'm a podcast fanatic. I oh. listen to 25, 30 podcasts a week. 
I love podcasts and all the podcasts I love have a structure to them. And when they don't, as a listener, it irritates me. Well, not, not that you, we would ever be irritating. Now, I do know about one of your podcasts. You used to do guitar. That's podcast. right. Called Gear for Guitar, which I can't even find anymore. So I, I, I don't know what happened. I can't so find it, it. Well, and did you, you said you did one with Tiagi? Tiagi and I, and, and that one's still available. You can find that. Um, it, it was uh, the, what did we call it? I don't have my phone here. It, it, the Tiagi training cast and then the Tiagi business cast. So we had two, two concurrent wow. parallel podcasts. And we put out probably about 25, 30 episodes between the two of them. Wow. Uh, so but no one listened to them. You're, well, so you're, it's, I feel like honored that I'm joining an experienced podcaster here on the you, one hand. On the other hand, you should note that no one ever listened to any of my podcasts. So, so, uh, so, you, you, so you think that uh, this might work? Absolutely not. I just enjoy doing it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I have no faith. Oh, so, no, of course this is going to work. You know why? Because you are the substance and I'm the shine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me set up our next segment. I think it's our next one. I, I think we you can, should definitely do that. Yeah. We can edit it to put it in the right place because that's the magic. I think, of, I think Connie deserves to be in the prime, prime location of the podcast, which is segment two. <laughs> there you go again, your segments. <laughs> Connie Malamud is fantastic. She's one of the, uh, she's first of all, one of the great podcasters in the field. Um, she just interviewed John Sweller, um, the cognitive load guy. She also wrote um, a book on visual design for the learning profession, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, she is a evidence-based uh, fanatic. Uh, she really likes to look at what the research says and recommend that to people. And I asked her, because you and I are learning how to do this, I asked her some questions about how to do a good podcast. And she told me the secrets. And with that, no further ado, let's go to my interview with Connie Malavid. <music> So I am here with Connie Malamud, and uh, she is the e-learning coach and also the author of the book, Visual Design Solutions, Principles and Creative Inspiration for Learning Professionals. How are you doing, Connie? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me, Will. I am delighted to be here now. Um, as I explained, Matt Richter and I, we are trying to, we're thinking about creating a podcast and we don't know what we're doing. This is our first time. And you are one of the top podcasters in the learning space. So um, I thought it'd be good to reach out to you and, and, and get your, your advice. So um, if you're willing, I'd like to ask you some questions and see what you think. 
Well, I did decide to have pity on you and Matt, so go ahead. <laughs> okay, so just a first question, um, you know, real quick hits, your first gut reaction. As a podcaster, what are your two top secrets to your success? Mm, well, I never, I don't know if I have success. I haven't really thought about it in those terms, but I will just go along with you. Um, I think I really try to put myself in the audience's place. What would they want to hear? What would I want to hear if I were a learning professional? What would I want to hear from this person? So that's one. And two, um, one thing I like and that really comes in handy is if the person has a body of work, then you can go through their body of work and ask interesting questions that they are going to be able to answer. So it's not kind of, just someone in the field. It's someone who's really focused on one thing like you or a few things. Uh, when I interviewed you, I simply went through your book, um, you know, got a sense of what you were interested in and, 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 in the the and in your thesis and was able to speak to you about that. So, so you mean, so you mean we have to do homework to, we just, can't, we just can't get up and talk. Well, I think you can. That's another kind of podcast, not the kind that I do, but you could. You could just ramble on with people, have interesting conversations, off-the-cuff conversations. I think that would be interesting. Now you, you do interview some great people, and, and, but, you know, I, I just wonder, and I'm worried about this. What, what, what do you say to people, and I know that you are very interested and aligned with, like, research-based practice or research-inspired practice, evidence-based stuff. But what if you, what if somebody says something that you think is wrong or stupid or it goes against the research? What, what do you, do you just keep, let it keep going? What, what's your response? You know, I don't think I've had that happen too often because so often the people, I mean, not always, but um, if it's someone who's going to say something like that, they're often a professor. I might, I'm, I would probably bring it up and, and, um, you know, contradict them perhaps and say, well, what do you think? Uh, isn't this and this true? And they might say, oh yeah, you know, actually that is another way to look at it or something like that. And if it gets really funky, you know, where I just don't buy it, then I just edit it out. But I, I don't even know if that's ever happened. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good to know. So you got to invite good people. Yeah. Now you're obviously very successful at podcasting and basically turned this into a juggernaut. Now, if Matt and I are as successful as you, how long till we can use our earnings from podcasting to take <laughs> expensive holidays or to the islands or fund Broadway musicals? What, mm -hmm. yeah, how long? Um, I would say within six months, you'll be able to fund Broadway musicals. Um, maybe you'd have to start with off Broadway, but certainly within a year. Um, you will be able to fund the musicals. And as far as the vacations, I mean, the sky's the limit. Yes. I have funded, you know, s several around the world trips from my podcast. Ah, that is freaking awesome. I, you're really giving me hope. Now, and I'm not sure Matt agrees, but what, what do you think about, and this is, <laughs> this is a serious question, what do you think about doing some like investigative journalism pieces in like rooting out corruption and bias in the workplace learning field. Do you think that we'd get into trouble, like the powerful people in the field would have us disappeared or not invite us to speak at their conferences or, you know? You mm. know. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm just wondering, it's kind of an intriguing idea. I just don't know if there are any, um, if there is any investigation to be done. Well, it is true. We, we live in a noble profession and everybody is completely above board and, and nobody tries to get away with anything. I mean, maybe the subject matter experts, maybe they need investigation. <laughs> All right. So do you get nervous? I do get nervous when I, you know, maybe 15 times I've interviewed people that I knew and then I'm pretty relaxed. But when I interview someone I don't know, I do get nervous. And when I interview someone that I super admire, um, one was John Sweller. Now, he's, he is a cognitive load, man. And you know, when people <laughs> get nervous, the working memory actually shrinks and they ruminate. So I, could, I, I would be terrified to interview. I mean, how was that? It was awesome. Usually if I am nervous, it, um, within the first few minutes, just like with, um, for people who have fear of speaking, you know, on stage, after the first few minutes, you kind of tend to calm down because you just say, oh, it's another human being. They're nice. You know, everyone's been very nice. But I do get nervous when I, when the person is a 100% stranger um, at first, and then it usually works out. I did do one on humor, and um, I was a little nervous about whether the person would be funny, you know, whether we would be able to joke around. And um, Okay, so what about telling personal stories, like your own personal stories? Do you recommend it? Do you ever tell personal stories like about times when you failed or succeeded against all odds or, you know, something like that? Mm, I'm not really sure what you mean by fail. Um, I don't <laughs> think I've experienced that. <laughs> I forgot who I was talking with. Um, I do tell, sure, I tell personal stories. I think I probably was too, I can't remember because I did it, started six years ago and I only do one a month. So sometimes I can't quite remember how I started out. Um, but I, I probably did not get personal at first. And then, you know, if, it, if it's relevant, um, I might talk about something personal, but it'll be kind of quick. And, and sometimes it's just... Um, a question that I have that relates to my work. Like when I interviewed a professor about writing tests, I was surprised that, you know, I asked a question basically for myself. I mean, I knew the audience would be interested. Isn't it better to have the same number of distractors in all your multiple choice? And he said, no, it doesn't matter. You know, that kind of thing. And I go, really? And then I tell him, <laughs> then I tell him why, like I've, I've been doing that for like 10 years because uh, I read that you're supposed to. And he goes, no, we found the research shows it doesn't really matter. Oh, good. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. Which, which podcast number is that? I want to go back and listen to that one. Well, I have them all memorized. So, <laughs> you know, I'll look it up for you. Uh, um, so, now personally for me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a little concerned that I appear professional in these podcasts, you know, especially working with Matt, who's a consummate professional. So, I'd like your advice. What, what should I wear? Mm. By the way, that podcast, I just looked it up and it's 39, How to Plan, Design, and Write Tests. That was one of my favorites because I got a lot of questions answered that I'd had. And I've been wanting to talk to a psychometrician for years and I finally got to. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm impressed that you have that right at your fingertips. Uh, well, I use search. Um, that's in the how to do dress. Well, I think you should start, uh, the upper body should be a light gray hoodie, kind of like the one you're wearing now. <laughs> oh, good. 
The genes. Tell me what I want to hear, aren't you? Okay, now the genes should. It can't just be a natural rip in the knee. It has to be a rip that came from the manufacturer because those are much larger. Oh, okay. okay. So it can't be like a gardening rip. It has to be the real thing. Okay. I would go with no socks and, and sandals. Okay, I can do that. That would be the professional look I think you're looking, you're, you'd like to go for. Okay, great. Now, you're an expert in visual aesthetics. You write, wrote the book, Visual Design Solutions. So my question for you is, who's better looking, Matt or Will? Well, I don't know Matt. So <laughs> I'm just going to go with Will. Oh, awesome. <laughs> this will never get published. He won't allow it. Um, <laughs> all right. So one more question. Do you think it's okay to attempt to be funny in a podcast or will the viewers think less of us? I mean, we've, you know, I've spent 30 years building up my reputation in the field. Is this going to just completely ruin it? <laughs> mm, I think it will ruin it and you should never attempt to be funny. Oh, okay. All right. So with that, um, I'd like to say thank you to Connie Malamed, e-learning coach. And uh, your website is theelearningcoach.com, right? Yeah, you know, I couldn't get the e-learning coach without the duh. All right, Connie, thanks so much. You're welcome. That was fantastic, Will. Thank you. <laughs> I, you know, I listen to podcasts too, not as many as you, because I would ha wouldn't have time to, you know, go out and that's, conquer the world. But that's because clients hire you; they don't hire me. Oh, I'm baloney. <laughs> hey, that's another episode we could have. We could have sad tales. Of sad tales from Matt and Will. <laughs> <laughs> Feel sorry for us, please. You know, there's research on how to brainstorm. Can I share that with our listeners? Yeah. Okay. So the question is, should you, don't answer this question. You're going to leave some dead air here. Should you brainstorm in a group or brainstorm as individuals? If those are your only two choices. Which will create more creative ideas? You tell me what I can say. I want to say, I want to say. Go individually why is that because i'm way smarter than most other people they just get in my way oh, well. <laughs> folks i'm only kidding a little bit <laughs> you are correct individually is better and you know what's really interesting um when i was a leadership trainer we always trained people to brainstorm in groups and this research has been done like in the early, late 80s, early 90s, like definitive research on this. And yet a lot of people still think that they should brainstorm in groups. Well, and let me, let me fill this out a little bit for our listeners. We can make, can we make this segment 3.5, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so. This is a good segment. This is a good segment. So you can uh, brainstorm individually and then come together as a group after you brainstorm individually, that's acceptable. Um, also, they've done research on online brainstorming. Do you think 
online brainstorming or in-person brainstorming creates more creativity. Say that one more time. So brainstorming online mm -hmm. versus in a room together. By yourself though? Oh yes, if you're, if you're doing it by yourself, but you, it's by yourself, but you know it's gonna go to, others will see your, your I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with um, uh, online. That is correct. Yeah. And the thinking there is that people feel a little bit, when they're, when they're with other people, they feel this sort of sense of, you know, having to be uh, socially acceptable. And creativity sometimes requires to be bold and being out of the box to use a cliche. Oh, we, we're gonna, can we try not to have cliches on the show? Can we outlaw them or we can, oh, we can edit them out. That's right. Okay. But I love cliches. Really? Yeah. Why not? What's wrong with a cliche? <sighs> Over the moon, man. You know, uh, teach their own. <laughs> oh my God. I don't have my list of cliches in front of me. Huh. Okay. All so right. So this, that's at the end of that segment 3.5. We can. Yeah. Well, we haven't done three yet. All right. I want to share with you a, a, a LinkedIn experience I've been having. So I, I made a post uh, that argued that personality assessments, disposition tools like DISC, uh, and um, models that are based on philosophy and not on well-researched models um, are inherently flawed and bad for us to use. And yet many, many in our field continue to do so, even in the face of very, very clear debunking data. So uh, generally speaking, the majority of people that have commented on my post were in agreement. And, and by the way, when people don't agree with me, I love that. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But a couple people said, we love using DISC. We know it's BS. We know it's probably, as, as you said, like, a, uh, like reading an astrological chart. But we still are going to use it because, quote, it works. And our participants learn basic communication tactics. And uh, we're going to keep using it because we don't care if the research debunks it. Um, it, it helps us achieve our goals. And I went back and I commented that this is kind of silly and ludicrous, that there are many other ways for us to focus on the learning objective that uses more uh, well-tread and workable tools or resources or activities. Doesn't matter, it's popular, clients love to buy it. And one person even said, it's great because we could resell it. It's a nice way for us consultants to make more money because people love to buy them and we can add on $50 in assessment for it. So I, I just want to bang my head when I hear these things. And, uh, so, and, I, so and I know you lost your hair over these topics too. Yeah, well, yeah. So let me ask you a couple of questions. You, you, yeah, you, yeah. you, you, why don't you play the role of this person that's defending the disc? Okay. All right. And, 
All right, I'll but play the it's role. Gonna be, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for me. I, I know, but we, we we said we would try this. So yeah, it's yeah. our first yeah. time, but let's try it. I'm going to play the role of the guy that's going to try to rupture the disc. Okay, good, good. Rupture your back. All right. So okay. uh, when you say it works, yeah. What? how do you see it working? Oh, come on. Well, it's so easy. People learn two or three tactics that they can use uh, in a, any given situation to make communication more, more facile, more easy. Uh, and it's, it's, it's almost binary. I know it's four quadrants, but I can ask myself two questions and pretty quickly read you and determine which of those tactics are best going to work. So you've seen people use this in your classroom? I use it too. And, yeah, and, absolutely. And it, it, uh, how do you know that it helps you communicate better? Because the participants give me great reviews on the smiley sheets and the participants do communicate better in the activities we do. In the activities, but. Yeah, so I get level one and two from Patrick. <laughs> no, no, you don't get level two. Well. What are you talking about? about? They that. do the work in the classroom. Will, I think you should become a little more well-versed on the Kirkpatrick methodology. Well, <laughs> you're not really demonstrating learning per se. Um, certainly not remembering. But anyway. Oh, you're so uh, going to kill me later. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but, what a, but how do you know this actually improves their communication back in the job? Because they all go back to the job and they say, my boss is a, is a D and now I know how to handle him. Yeah, but does that really work? Number yeah, one? yeah, totally. How do you know? Because I see it, they tell me, the bosses tell me that the employee is more compliant, absolutely. Yeah, well, so this is one of the problems with anecdotal evidence is that people don't always see what's really there, number one, right? You so know, I'm, I'm not trusting in your data. Also, I think a, this guy named Guy Wallace used a word called a tautology. Ooh, so that's a good one. Tautological, but, but I, I thought he was just making up words. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure he's taught that to somebody. <laughs> so, well, I used to, I used to use the Myers-Briggs. Oh as, yeah, I can, I can totally see that you're an ENTJ. I, I am. A, I'm sorry, an INTJ. I am an INTJ. Yes. Yeah. See. Yeah. So that's. Come on, come on. That that's pretty good. I I got that right. Well, you did. I mean, the one time I almost slipped over to the E, but I'm really an I. Um, but anyway, uh, I used it. I was never certified in it, but I got to use it. We paid the fees, whatever. Um, uh, and I noticed that. It created nice conversations in my classroom. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sort of with this disc person, but why didn't I use a tool that actually works, that's valid and reliable? Like, yeah, I mean, you're using the disc. You're playing the role of someone using the disc. No, why, why do I even care about this reliability and validity thing? And this makes no sense to me. It works. It, uh, it, you, you academics drive me insane with it, this. It appears to work. 
But first of all, there's two, there's the big five personality inventory, which has been shown to be valid and reliable. And uh, it's, there's but it's ver- more complex. It's done in the research and it's free. There's a short version that's very easy to use. So, but, but Will, this free. It's free. it works. You're just telling me it doesn't. It's, it's unethical for you to try to upsell. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> now you're calling me unethical for, for using a tool? That, it's been around since, since I, I've been alive. Are you, yeah. I mean, this, well, this, this, if it didn't work, people Hemlock, wouldn't use it. Hemlock has been around a long time too. But, but Hemlock exists too. And it works for its purpose. It kills people. <laughs> yeah, right. So your, your argument is illogical. Um, uh, but anyway, I, I'm stepping out of the role play right now, but, but this is this, this circular argument drives me insane. Yeah. I mean, in some ways I have some empathy. For whom? For, for the people that are using it. I know. That's why you're a much nicer but, person than me. But, well, okay. So then how do we persuade this person? Obviously your little LinkedIn dialogue didn't work. No, no, and, and nor will it. Well, and now they've got probably several people that they agree with them. And now they're like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of us. It's almost like they're Trump voters. Oh, oh man. Uh, too soon? Too soon? Oh, we just lost half our audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we gained we gained in Europe. Well, I don't want to go to Europe, man. I mean, I my, you just said you love the UK. I, I do, I but I'm I'm getting tired of traveling, and and I've well, argued, now that I know how old you are, I've, I understand that. I mean, <laughs> I've argued I've argued on LinkedIn that we should, we in the training <laughs> should uh, uh, consider the pollution from airfare in part of our decision making. <clears throat> that's the, the the carbon footprint yeah we got we we'll, we'll have an episode on that too look here here's the deal i just don't understand why we want to use things that we know are ineffective and don't work especially when as you said there are alternatives that are free that we do know have a greater level of reliability and i i, I just don't understand the approach to that the this need to have been sold by a vendor or or by the market to buy something uh it just it drives me insane right and you think you know if i i think it goes to one's credibility as well if i if i if i'm if i work for a a a consulting training company that uses one of these instruments that has been shown to not be credible then some of my purchasers, some of my potential clients, or perhaps some of the learners in my classroom are going to know about the problems with these mm-hmm. things. And that hurts my credibility. That could lose me business. So even from a practical commercial standpoint, I think I, it's- would, lo- I would like data on that. Because I'm, I, when I look at the, the consultants out there who are reselling MBTI and DISC and, and insights and true colors, they're making a lot more money than you and I collectively. Ooh, ooh. So, so part, of like our, 
part of our empire is we could create our own tool. I know so many consultants that have done exactly that and make a ton of money off of these things. You know, colors are taken and quad quadrants are taken. Shakes. No one's done shapes. Are you a triangle or are you a square or are you a circle? Oh, we should do yeah. shapes. I was thinking of rhymes, maybe, you know. Oh yeah, that's good too, yeah. yeah. So Will, what, what is the advice? What is, your, what is the takeaway advice I should, uh, you would give someone youthful and, 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 and severely depressed about all these things? Well, one of the things we should always ask is whether our content and our materials are credible and valid. Very simple. That's, I love that. That's, uh, that's, that is uh, the sin qua non. Am I, I don't know if I get my Latin right or whatever. I don't know what language that is, but, <laughs> is that, <laughs> but, but you know, uh, you know, we, we got to start with the fundamental thing. We're trying to get some information across. We're trying to, you know, do it in the right way. We got to start with the basic thing. We can't be, we can't start with crap. We have to start with something that's solid and useful and valid. Tiagi is, uh, has been in the United States for almost 50 years now. And he is one of the founding thought leaders on using interactivity in adult learning. Uh, he was also, he wasn't one of the founding members of what became ISPI, uh, but he was very close. Uh, and um, Tiagi has been very, very focused on how to drive higher levels of performance through training. And uh, well, I think erroneously he's known as the game guy. Tiagi is not about fun. Tiagi has never been about um, being funny, although both things are true. Tiagi is always about how do we reach that objective we've identified for the classroom, virtual or otherwise. And uh, he's taught me everything I know. And everything I don't know, we're still working on. So um, I'm not going to tell you what he's about to talk about, but uh, we're going to try. His travel schedule may not allow him to do a recording every week, but he's uh, going to try and give us a little segment of, uh, of Tiagi rants, Tiagi thoughts, Tiagi ideas uh, about learning, learning and development. And in this one, he talks about evidence-based learning. That is awesome. I can't wait to hear it. Here it is. I'm skeptical about books whose subtitles claim that they are based on evidence-based principles and procedures. A review of these books revealed that the empirical evidence involves talking to three employees about their feelings 
of improved efficacy. We need a more precise definition of what others mean by evidence-based. While trudging through statistical textbooks during my graduate school days, I came across Robert Abelson's provocative book, Statistics as Principled Argument. This book contains a memorable acronym, MAGIC, M-A-G-I-C, that specifies the criteria for compelling empirical evidence. The M in the MAGIC acronym stands for magnitude. Since I'm not constrained by acute acronym, I prefer to call this criterion size. This basically suggests that bigger effects are better. If I have a technique that enables me to memorize 52 playing cards, it's a better effect than a technique for memorizing five cards. The A in the acronym stands for articulateness. If you prefer, we can label this criterion precision. Recalling the sequence of a shuffled deck of 52 playing cards by naming cards at specific positions and by pinpointing the sequential numbers associated with different cards is a precise definition that meets the articulateness criterion. The G in the acronym stands for generality. It identifies how broadly we can generalize the empirical conclusion. If our intervention works effectively only with middle-aged white men, it is not as impressive as an intervention that works with all employees in in a multinational corporation. I stands for interestingness. This identifies the potential of the empirical finding to change people's beliefs. If my intervention changes people's beliefs about the effectiveness of instructional evaluation through smile sheets, it's an interesting finding. C in the MAGIC acronym stands for credibility. This suggests my research method should be sound and disciplined and my conclusions should be logically aligned with a coherent theoretical conceptual framework. Empirical evidence suggests that repetition is an effective technique for remembering a list of items. So here we go. Repeat after me. Magnitude, articulation, generality, interestingness, credibility, magnitude, articulation, generality, interestingness, cred.
So, Will, welcome back. Uh, what did you think of Tiagi's piece? Brilliant. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, he won't actually probably listen to the show at all, so I'll tell him you said that. He that was a joke. Not listen. That was a joke. That was a oh. joke. He's going to listen. Of course he'll listen. We need, we need, you know, he would like double our audience if he I know, right? decided to. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I can't okay. wait to do episode two. Okay. You, know what, you know when we're going to do it? We what? have the luxury and privilege to get to do some workshopping next week in San Antonio, Texas. Oh, awesome. So you and I get to do our recording live together in the same room. That's cool. Can we do it by the river walk? You mean outside? <laughs> I don't kidding. know. I don't, I don't do outside. Oh. That's why I'm pale. <laughs> well, there's trees there you can hide underneath. Okay, okay. I'm kidding. I don't the the river walk. I um that's cool. Uh, early in the morning when nobody's there, it's great. That's cool. That's cool. So I'm very excited about our podcast. I'm very excited to see you next week. I'm very excited to uh, have the opportunity to learn from you as we go through this, especially now that I know you're like, you know, could be my father. So. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Hey, you know, I think we should have a little, you know, you know how the car talk guys have a sign off? Yeah. They say, don't drive like my brother. Yeah. Okay. So I, right. I, I ready. I'm going to try, let's try one out. Okay. So don't, don't drive like Will. No, don't, don't learn like Matt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're, we're going to keep working on it. <laughs> I think we need to keep working on it. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll, we'll keep working on that one. So we'll, we'll anyway, learn as we go. Anyway, I'm Matt Richter, and this is Will Tallheimer. Ooh, beautiful! All right, I mean, say that. Say that. Tallheimer, Tallheimer, Tallheimer. I can't do it faster than that, though. That's fine. And you have been listening to the Learning Empire. Empire, Empire, Empire. Maybe I love it. I love it. Oh, he's gone from a no to a maybe. <laughs> We're going to get him. All right. Tune in out. See you next time. Take care. Bye for now. Bye.